We believe the Bible is our foundation. We believe in not forgetting. We believe that Jesus is the Savior. is really shorthand for September 11, 2001. And we pause and we remember. As we think about that day, 19 Al-Qaeda terrorists hijacked four different airplanes. Two of them hit the north and south towers of the World Trade Center. Another crashed into the Pentagon and another was taken back by the passengers and crash-landed in western Pennsylvania some 20 minutes from Washington, D.C. The events surrounding 9-11 really shook many in our nation. As a matter of fact, over the next few weeks, we saw church attendance begin to, to rise. I was in my first pastorate there, and my boys were little, and as we were there, and people began to say, we need to hear from God, and we need to cry out to God, and special prayer meetings were called, and special times of focusing on the Lord were were experienced, and then, over just a matter of a few weeks, everything went back to normal. When we have challenges and tragedies come into our life, either personally or in our community or nationally, sometimes we just feel that urge that we have to get before the Lord, and many felt that urge to come before the Lord, and yet the passion soon faded. We have to beware because there is a tendency in our own life that over the weeks and months of life, our spiritual life, if we're not staying attuned and staying attention, can grow cold. 
But the Lord declared in Deuteronomy 8 and declares to us today, don't forget me. Our greatest problem 21 years later is not that we have forgotten what happened on 9-11. But the truth is, is many have just forgotten God. Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We are beginning a new series called We Believe. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about God the Father today. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and Jesus, our Savior. We're going to talk about the church. We've got lots of things. So over the next few months, I want to encourage you to be here with us as we think about those foundational truths that we hold on to. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to pick up in verse number 11 today. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I am giving you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He led you, fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers had not known in order to humble and test you, so that in the end he might cause you to prosper. You must say to yourself, my, po- my power and my ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow in worship to them, I testify against you today that you will perish like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you. You will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. With that, let's pray. God, speak to us today. And Lord, we know we're at a different place and a different time and a different context. But God, speak. Speak to your people. And may we be hearers of the word. And may we be doers of the word, lest we forget. In Jesus' name, amen. A person forgets God to his or her peril. As we pick up the context in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we find that as Moses is leading the children of Israel, because they refused to go into the promised land some 38 to 40 years earlier in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, that God allowed them to wander in the wilderness for some 40 years And as they've wondered for 40 years now, everyone that was 20 and older has pretty much died. The Lord said, no one 20 years or older who was faithless is going to enter into that promised land except Joshua and Caleb. 
And because they have done funeral after funeral after funeral, this next generation has grown up. Many of this generation, as they have walked around for the last 38 to 40 years, has only seen manna for food. They have been provided for by God every day. They have been led by a cloud uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night. They have watched God miraculously provide for them for years. And now he speaks to them, this next generation, as they're preparing to enter into the promised land, and says, as you enter into this land that is going to be prosperous, a place where your livestock are going to do well, a place where you're going to land for your own and have for the first time in your life personal real estate. Understand that you forget God to your own peril. Beware lest you forget God. And specifically here, I think he speaks not only to that generation, but to our generation. Beware lest you forget God in the good times. The challenge of our life is often that in the challenging and the hard and the sorrowful and the bad trial-driven times of our life, we go before the Lord with this sense of dependence and this sense of helplessness and we cry out to God. But then along the way there come those days where there's money in the bank and the job is going well. Our kids are thriving in their endeavors And we're watching uh, our life and thinking, man, I must be doing pretty well. And it's in those moments the Lord says, beware lest you forget me. Obviously, he's talking to the nation Israel here. He has a special and unique covenant with that nation that is different from our standing today as believers in 2022. And yet the message still needs to be riveted to our heart. Beware lest you forget God. Because all of us have, are sitting in pews today as we think about those that used to be here, that you grew up in church with, that you were in youth group with and you you served alongside of on mission trips or in Bible study and now somewhere along along the way, they have derailed off of the path of following the Lord and they have forgotten him and are just enjoying life, living for self, doing their own thing. And the Lord says, beware lest you forget. So this morning, as we look at this passage, I think there are really two key thoughts that step out to us. First, there is a warning. Beware of forgetting God. Notice he says in verse number 11, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. He repeats this again. Don't forget the Lord. All of us have a habit of forgetting. I don't know about you, but it seems like there are days that I find a good chunk of my day, I'm just looking for stuff. I don't remember where I put my keys. I took my wallet out of my pocket because it was uncomfortable and I laid it down and now I don't know where it is. Or 
probably the most challenging for some of us is when we see that person at church, uh, that, that's from church out in the store or the restaurant, and we cannot remember their name. We have forgotten. Matter of fact, I would dare say some of you sit next to people at church every week, and they have given a name before, and somewhere along the way, you have forgotten their name, and still, weeks or months into it, you still haven't caught up with name. There's a challenge that we have of forgetting. But forgetting where we put our keys and forgetting a a name or uh, forgetting to do our homework or forgetting to make this phone call, those are one things, but those are the small things sometimes in life compared to the challenge where he says, don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget the Lord your God. And I think there's a downward trajectory that we find in this passage and across the circumstances of life that show us what happened when we forget God. This downward trajectory begins as forgetfulness then leads us to a place of arrogance. Forgetfulness leads us to a place of arrogance. He says, when you walk into this land and you start to thrive, hey, don't, don't come back on yourself and say, look how great and how good I am and all the things that I have done. Look at verse number 17. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. How soon they have forgotten These boys and girls who grew up eating manna every day, six days a week, they watched their mama and daddy go out and collect manna. And then there was always, on that sixth day, they would collect enough for the Sabbath day. For for years, they had watched God provide water for them. Matter of fact, it tells us earlier in this passage, we'll look at a little bit, that, that even their clothes for 40 years didn't wear out. Now that is amazing. And yet they step into this land where they experience some level of prosperity and they turn back and they say, look at what I've done. Look how great I am. Look at me. Man, I've taken this small flock and made it huge. Look at this house I've been able to build. Look at the clothes I'm able to wear now. He says, beware that forgetfulness leads to arrogance. Now, notice how the Lord has worked in their life. Notice verse number 14. He was the one who brought them out of Egypt. Notice verse 15. He led them through the wilderness. He provided water. Notice notice verse number 16. He fed them with manna. God was a father and a shepherd and a provider and he was their God. He was their protector who protected them from the, the animals and the scorpions and yet at this point in the game they, they step back and they say, and now, ta-da, look at me. How soon we forget. Sometimes as teenagers step into those late teens and early 20s, There is this desire for independence and this thought of, I don't really need my parents anymore. And almost in an arrogant fashion, there is this sense of, I've, I've raised myself and done it all on my own. Often it's not until we have kids 
And when we have kids, we recognize my parents made a lot of sacrifices. <laughs> when you stay up all night with a kid and you think, yeah, there were times that me or my brothers or sisters were sick at night. It is often we recognize when we come to that place in our own life how our parents were faithful to the duties and responsibilities of being a parent. And yet, sometimes we take it for granted. He tells us forgetfulness leads to arrogance. But then secondly, I think on this downward trajectory, arrogance then leads to idolatry. Arrogance leads to idolatry. When we think about our life and we think about how we're moving along, there gets to this point that says, look, man, I can do it on my own now. And then what happens is I begin to fashion my own gods and serve my own gods and something else has more of my attention than the almighty God. As we think about that, notice in verse number 19. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, to serve them and bow in worship to them. Everyone worships something or someone. All because someone doesn't come into a church doesn't mean that they're not a worshiper. I'm reminded of the story when the original St. Louis Cardinal football team moved out of St. Louis and One of the fans said, what am I supposed to do on Sundays now? The picture is is that there is something that is going to take our attention and something that we're going to give our devotion and our life to. And when we forget how good our God is, then we can turn and say, man, now I'm just going to throw my life into work. I'm going to throw my life into relationships. I'm going to throw my life into money. I'm going to throw my life into travel. I'm going to throw my life into education. I'm going to throw my life into something else. And when we forget God, then we put something else on the shelf and it becomes our idol. Beware lest you forget God. Forgetfulness leads to arrogance. I can do this on my own. The first problem was that they were forgetful. Then that sin nature begins to take over and the arrogance begins to rise up. But then the Bible clearly shows us that idolatry leads to death. Notice what he says in this passage. Verse number 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow and worship to them, I testify against you today that you will perish like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you. You will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. And if you know history of the nation of Israel, they're going to cross into the promised land and under the reign and rule of Joshua, they are going to follow the Lord, but then they're Commitment to the Lord is going to dwindle, dwindle, dwindle. And then by the time we step into the period of the judges, everyone is just simply doing what is right in their own eyes. And God allows them to be taken over by nation after nation after nation. And they cry out to God for a deliverer once they are held into captivity. And there is this cycle 
that God says, you are going to pay a consequence for your iniquity. See, idolatry leads to death. That may not be immediate death, but it will have an eternal ramification in death. The Bible makes it clear God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. And too many people want to say, look, I, I, I can follow God and I can sow my wild oats and, and arrogantly live and throw my life into everything else. And then they realize they are on the brink of disaster. And as I've shared before, they want to sow their wild oats and then pray for crop failure. <laughs> and yet the picture is, is that a nation or a person who turns to idolatry, will experience death. The wages of sin is death. There's a picture of eternal separation. And yet, even through that challenging truth of the New Testament, if that was where that verse ended in Romans 6.23, it would be the saddest verse in all of the Bible. The wages of sin is death, period. But that's not how it ends. For the wages of sin is death. But even in our sinfulness, it tells us, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that even once we have turned away from the Lord, maybe in childhood we were reared and maybe some of you today have reared your children and somewhere along the line they have gotten off and yet Jesus still calls and reminds us that his gift is eternal life. There is a word of warning. This word of warning, I think, for us as a nation can be expounded in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18 and following. It is one of the most challenging passages in all of the New Testament and one of the most sobering sections of all of Scripture. In Romans 1.18, it tells us that the wrath of God is revealed. It is being presently revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people. In other words, God's saying, look, there is a sense of wrath that is being poured out here and now on people who do not follow and do not listen to him, who have decided to live for arrogance and idolatry. He goes on to say that, What may be known about God is evident to them because God has shown them he has invisible attributes and his eternal presence. But the problem is, is they have suppressed the truth. And even though they knew God, they glorified him not as God, nor were they thankful. And so three horrible things happen in Romans chapter 1 and verse 24, 26, and 28. In verse 24... God takes people like that and he says, I'm just going to deliver them over. Instead of pouring down wrath upon them, I'm just going to let them live out their own life. So God delivers them over. Notice in Romans 1.24, God delivered them over in the desires of their heart to sexual impurity so that they, their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. 
God just says, I'm going to give you over to immorality. Do we have a culture and a nation that is bent on things of immor- immorality? Then in Romans 1.26, he says, For this reason God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural and sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way left natural relations. He's talking about homosexuality. And men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. God just says, look, I'm going to give them over to impurity. I'll give them over to a mind filled with homosexuality. And then in Romans 1.28, he says, and because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, Hey, we can live without God, or we can say we follow God, but we really don't have to listen to him. Because they didn't think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. They are filled with unrighteousness. And he goes on, evil, greed, Hey, think about our culture. They are filled with unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips and slanders and God-haters and arrogant and proud and boastful and inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. And although they knew God's just sentence... Those who practice such that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but applaud them and others. He says, "Look, when a when a nation, and specifically, he's talking to the Roman believers, and he's saying." And specifically speaking of the Gentile world around them, God's wrath is being poured out, but it is not being poured out necessarily actively. It is God just pulling his hand back and letting the sinful world live and follow its own course. And now their minds are so corrupt that they are at the place where they don't even want to do right anymore. And matter of fact, they're going to actively do wrong and they're going to applaud others who do it. Sound like a nation we may know? There is a warning. Beware of forgetting God. But there's not only a warning in this passage, there's also an instruction. And the instruction for us is that we are to remember God. We're to remember God. He says, be careful that you do not forget. But notice down in verse number 18. Remember that the Lord your God. The Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. Now, as we think about God, there's just three truths I want to drive home quickly. First off, our God is personal. The word and the phrase, the Lord your God, is used 10 times in the 20 verses in Deuteronomy chapter 8. When we think about the word Lord, that's the covenant name of God, Jehovah. That God entered into a covenant with his people. That God now in covenant with his people is in this relationship that is unique 
that he is holding on to them. When we step into salvation, we experience a new relationship with God. We now are in a covenant relationship with God in which he holds on to us. But the challenge, it says, remember the Lord your God. It's not only the covenant relationship, but he uses the word Elohim, the Lord your God. So we think about the covenant God, but Elohim is the primary word that is used in Genesis chapter 1 as creator. So we have the covenant covenant God and we have the creation power of God working for us and he says do not forget I love you and I have all power in my hand and because I have all power I've been able to lead you I've been able to show you I've been able to guide you because I love you that's the issue he loves the nation of Israel and he chose them out of the whole rest of the world, not because they were bigger or greater or smarter, but he chose to set his affection upon them. And he called out Abraham and he set apart a people for himself. And today, for those of us who know him, we have a relationship with the covenant God who loves unconditionally and holds us eternally. And yet we must not forget he is also the God of creation power. He is the God who can do all things. As we think of this mighty, awesome picture of this wonderful, personal God, he says back in verse number two of chapter eight, remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness. There's a warning, do not forget. But there is a call, remember, our God is personal. God knows you better than you know yourself. And God loves you more than anyone else could ever love you. And so I think the call for us today is don't forget, but choose to remember. Now, the nation of Israel's history up to this point was... Man, look what God did in creation. And then they knew the stories of Noah. They knew the stories of Abraham. They knew the stories of Joseph. They knew the stories of Moses. They had heard these stories, and they knew that God was personally leading and guiding this nation in a unique way. And guess what? You have personal stories as well. How God took you through this, and God rescued you from this. Some of you, medically, because of some diagnosis or some difficulty you've been through, probably, quote, shouldn't be here today. And yet, you're here. The personal, loving God who supersedes time and sees all things in eternity has planned for you to be here at this time, at this place in 2022 on September the 11th because he has a personal plan, and purpose for your life. Our God is personal. Then our God is faithful. He's not only personal, but he is absolutely faithful. As as we think in verse number 18, he says, remember the Lord your God who gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant. To confirm his covenant. He's keeping covenant. Now notice back with me in in chapter 8 in verse number 4. 
If you look at the end of verse 3, he says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And they did live on bread. And they, it, it was from, from God's hand to their mouth six days a week as they gathered enough then for the seventh day. And then in verse number 4, your clothing did not wear out. Your feet did not swell these 40 years. I, I find it interesting that your clothing didn't wear out. I just did a little research on that. And did you know that most people discard a piece of clothing after wearing it only seven times? Only seven times. And then it's gone. And they say that right now we have 60% more clothing and purchase 60% more clothing than we did in 2000. I don't know all those statistics, and I don't know if that's all real or not. But think about wearing the same thing for 40 years. If we think about wearing the same thing for 40 years, that, that puts us back in the 80s. God was faithful, but then we find that God is just. Those last two verses, God warns them, and he speaks very clearly, and he says, if you forget the Lord, he says at the end of verse 18, I testify against you today that you'll perish like the nations the Lord's about to destroy before you. As they go into the promised land, God is going to destroy the pagan nations. God's going to give Israel the promised land that had been promised to Abraham back in Genesis 12. God is just, and he won't be mocked. But God is also gracious. And we must not forget that God is just that the wrath of God is revealed, as Romans 1.18 says right now. But God today reminds us of his grace as well. And that grace says, remember me. Do not forget. I want to give two challenges to you today. First is a challenge in your own personal life. And that challenge is, how are you going to remember and not forget? Maybe some of you need to make a fresh commitment to Jesus Christ today and be in his word. But maybe there's another challenge, and that's just not a personal challenge to not forget, but to remember. But there's a prayer challenge. Because all of us know people who somewhere along the way have forgotten. Maybe it's as close as your own family. A child who grew up in the church and as best you could, you raised him in the Lord. And now, they've forgotten. Or they have wondered. And maybe today is a day to just seal in your heart a fresh passion to pray. For all of us, the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned. And that in our sin, we're not in a completely helpless situation. 
because God has provided a way through our sinfulness to bring forgiveness and eternal life, and that comes through Jesus alone. If you don't know Jesus today, then we offer an invitation to say, come, come know Jesus. But for those of us who are believers, what are we personally going to do and how are we going to pray for those who have wondered? With that, let's pray. Father, uh, your word has been challenging today. May we remember and not forget. And Lord, we do pause and we pray. For people that we love, that have wandered from the faith, people that we've invested in and poured our heart and life into, that we've shared Jesus with. And yet today, it seems as if there is no spiritual life or interest. And God, we, we know that it is your kindness, as Romans 2, 4, that leads us to repentance. And so we pray for your Holy Spirit to move in conviction, and in kindness. As we're praying, I'm not going to come out, I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but if there's someone who's specifically laid on your heart today that maybe has just wandered from the faith and you just want to join with me and pray for them right now, would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to come out, say anything, or do anything. All right, hands all over. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, many have said that there are specific people on their heart today. People that are well-loved. And Lord, you know each one. You know where they are today. You know what's going on in their life. God, today, may a Bible verse or a Bible story or a Christian song come across their path. May you lead a believer across their path today. God, would you provide wisdom on words that friends or family members should say? And Lord, give them the wisdom to know when just to listen. But Lord, on this day that is often remembered for the tragedy, may we remember for the triumph that comes through Jesus and the answer of prayer. In your awesome and wonderful name, we pray. Amen.